0: your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. you listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you're listening to the live NBA Draft show, where the NBA Draft GOAT, Chad Ford, and Locked On NBA Draft host, Raphael Barlow, and all of the Locked On hosts, including John Corrales, will be live covering the NBA Draft. It's the Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Bilt Bar. You'll get local expert analysis on each pick, so make sure you're following the Locked On NBA Draft on YouTube and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Today's show is not the live NBA Draft show, it's just Blazers off-season madness, but it's a very special one because we are joined by none other than Jackson Frank, a writer who you've read all over the place at... For dime at uprocks.com at theanalyst.com and maybe you've listened to as the host of the house that hinky built podcast jackson how you doing
1: i'm doing well i uh, appreciate the introduction and I, I got as a fellow podcast host i gotta i gotta up my my enthusiasm with these intros like you you're uh, you're running circles around me there
0: yeah listen this is why i get paid small dollars to do this jackson because i'm bringing the heat
1: yeah, seriously. I got I got to, I got to take some notes. Like maybe I should maybe I should use the off season to, to up my my podcast. Uh, well, listen, voice.
0: stay in the gym. Smoke emoji face. Whatever the the Simmons <laughs> smoke emoji face, dude. Exactly. No days off. Just wake up in the morning with that turned up mic off turned off mic and just just start yelling people's credits. <laughs> Mike Richmond, you've read him. Oregonlive.com. You've read him at NBC Sports Northwest. Um just kidding. Shout out to my former employers though. <laughs>
1: I might, I might get a noise disturbance and, and have to look for a new apartment at that, at that rate if I'm, uh,
0: okay. Okay. We'll get, yeah. You know what? Just practice. Take some mental reps as they
1: say. There we go. There we go. That's the plan right there.
0: Uh, Jackson, what simply put, what do the Blazers do? What do they do now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've been talking about some people not, but I mean, all they can do is be, I mean, as aggressive as possible, right? Explore every avenue to upgrade in the roster, but they, but, you know, and Damian Lillard's made clear that he, he wants to win a title and he thinks the roster needs to be better, but like, but they're so far away. I mean, it's like you, you lose in the first round to the Nuggets, despite the Nuggets being without Jamal Murray, Will Barton, PJ Dozier. uh, You get a really awesome series from Damian Lillard, uh, you know, Nurkic, you know, Nurkic while he was up and down was still pretty solid overall and, and you still lose in six games. Like I, I don't know what they. I mean, I, I don't envy the position of that front office. Uh, I don't envy any front office. I don't have any interest in doing that ever. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just it doesn't. It's not a position I want to be in when you're when your star player, the guy who's long said he wants to be in Portland, uh, is now a little more lukewarm on, on that declaration and says, "We, I want to win a title." And you are pretty far off of that, barring someone who's a top 15, 25 player saying, "I want to be traded. I want to go to Portland," uh, which doesn't really happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, if that sounds kind of bleak, it's cause I don't know what the answer is beyond you know, trying to be aggressive, but they're just, I they don't really know what the avenues are to them to actually reaching that title caliber, you know, uh, tier.
0: Yeah. I think the sort of the thought is like, oh, well you just, what you do is you, you remain patient and hope that there's like a disgruntled star that you can trade for. And unfortunately I think the disgruntled star is in their shop. He's, yeah, He's right, he's right yeah. there in the gym.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is if, yeah, if you, I mean, that's what everyone else should do. I mean, that's, but <laughs> exactly yeah, if, you're, if you're trying to put betting odds on who, who the next, you know, top 30s player, or, you know, consistent all-star is to, to request a trade, it's probably going to be, you know, I wouldn't say probably it's, I think your best bet is, is Damian Lillard there. And so, yeah, you can't really stay patient. I mean, I'm, I'm a long, a long believer that the NBA moves really quickly. And I think that's very clear, but um, that moving quickly could be, you know, something that, that is to the detriment of the Blazers rather than something that benefits them and, you know, someone becomes available that it entices them to stay, and maybe they can you know, actually reach that next year. So, yeah, it's to really really uh, an, an enviable, such an enviable, unenviable, I should know these things. Uh, to to be in, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and I think you would agree with this. Like in general, uh, the sort of championship or bust mentality is is like a garbage way to run a franchise. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very hard to win a championship. Uh, building a a pretty darn good team is is difficult in it in its own right, and not to say like consistent success is is like the only goal or something i'm not like i'm not advocating like just making the playoffs and collecting the money i'm just saying like it's hard to build a winner in the league like it's difficult to do and 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 judging every team by championships is like it's unfair it's just nonsense but now like that's where the bar is uh your read on damon lord's comments do you think um does he sound like a guy who is, who is like going to be I, patient is obviously the wrong word. We're, we're beyond patience, but does he sound like a guy who who could give them a year? Like what do you think the timeline is?
1: Yeah. I mean, a, I mean, a year feels like at like kind of the, the, the maximum for me. Like I, I mean, Damian Lowe is obviously still a great player. He had, you know, he's had his two best years of his career the last two seasons, but the fact of the matter is he's a, he's a six, three guard who just turned, Thirty, I believe, this thirty-one.
0: He celebrated his thirty-first birthday.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and that's not to say like all of a sudden he's going to be bad next year. But you wait, you you if he try if he says, "Oh, I'm going to like just stay, wait, wait things out and see what happens for this year." All of a sudden he's thirty-two, and then you have what two or three years left of probably all NBA caliber playing. That might be. I mean, you know, most guys aren't CP Chris Paul. I mean, I don't want to say the problem. LeBron is a different. He's a different size player, and he's you know, but most guys aren't Chris Paul, and Damian Lillard is bigger than Chris Paul, but. Like, you don't want to bank on, if you're Damian Lillard, you don't want to bank on your. I mean, obviously you want to trust yourself, but like, you don't want to think, oh, I'm going to be the exact same player at 35 that I am at 30. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, athletes have, you know, incredible self-confidence. So maybe I'm projecting incorrectly there. But point being is like, I, I mean, he's, he's right in the middle of his prime and like, you don't, you don't want to wait that out. So a year kind of feels it the most. Like I, I, I interpret, I mean, just, it's really, cause I, I don't, I don't know exactly when or where he talked about it, but he's been pretty like, kind of tepid on his commitment to Portland. That is a right. stark change from how he's been for the last three or four years, however long kind of the, the just Damian Lee want one out like kind of rumors and whatnot have been a thing. And so that, that's a stark change to me and that, that I feel like that's always kind of the, the beginning of, of these, these trade rumors or trade discussions building steam. And so, yeah, a year feels like the, the maximum, but, but I, I mean, I could see by, by February with the trade deadline, we're talking about it, you know, a guy who maybe was wanting out and, I actually want to, I mean, just because, you know, the Chris Haynes report and Chris Haynes is always someone who has a a very close connection to Damian Lillard and has written a lot of, you know, things with that, you know, about Damian Lillard, have have reported a lot of things about him. So um, we've had two articles now from Chris Haynes, the first of which seemed a little more, you know, clear and concise, clear and stark and it's not stark, but clear and definitive. about The fact that, you know, he's a little unsettled. So, yeah, I mean, that's a long winded way of saying that a year feels like kind of the, the maximum, but I, but I could (laughs) I could see things heating up later this offseason if he doesn't like what he's heard from from the front office and what they're doing, or, or what they're able to do. Or, but I would say sometime in the season is when it feels like it will heat up a little more. But I, but any timeline I can't really, you know, rule out.
0: Yeah, like if it happens in August, if it happens August tenth or whatever, it won't be this shocking at this point. Uh, it'll be, mm-hmm. um, it'll be a big deal. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a big deal. But it's it's not gonna, it's not gonna sneak up on us at this point. I think there's enough. Um, there's enough out there that we kind of know that it's on the table. Uh, like you said, like everything that he said with Haynes, like everything that he said publicly, you don't even like, you don't people want to use the phrase like read between the lines. I don't think we need to read between the lines. We can just read the lines themselves. Like we can just, we can just read the damn report um, Hear What he said at team USA. Like there's, there's enough out there that suggests that, that Dame wants, he wants big changes or something else. Or he uh, might be and,
1: the uh, big, big the start of a big change, right?
0: Right, the big change yeah. could be him. That's absolutely on the table.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I just I think yeah you're 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 hitting it spot on that like you don't you don't have to read but you don't have to talk about the fact that Chris Haynes has a close relationship with Damian Lillard. I could ignore that and just say that Chris Haynes is a, a well respected reporter who breaks a lot of news in the NBA and he wrote an article about Damian Lillard being a little unsettled in Portland, which is again is a is a contrast to the way Damian Lillard has how things have been covered revolving around his you know satisfaction in Portland for the last seven or so years i mean he's been there you know a decade now but uh yeah i think that's that's pretty clear that there's something he wants something to change and uh either that he either that comes in the form of upgrades in the roster which seemed tough um but doable um or he's going to be the the first domino of change because obviously if if dame you know requests out they're not going to say well bill we'll around cj and dame or Nurkic, so they're they're going to try and probably go young that's right. a whole different discussion but point being is yeah i think you don't, have to, you don't have to be, you know, a, an investigative reporter or really perceptive about things to know that um, there's a lot of pressure on the British front office to make the proper moves in the next X amount of months.
0: Maybe one month. <laughs>
1: yeah, months might have been too generous.
0: Yeah, m- one month. Uh, you know, free agency begins uh, Monday, August 2nd. Uh, and that's like when it opens, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. beginning of the like legal tampering. So free agency's begun. Like it's here. It's it's upon yeah. us. Uh, we don't see it publicly, but everyone is figuring out where they go. The reason why free agency, be, like the reason why sixty seconds in free agency, Woj has four tweets about big deals that happened, is because they're being negotiated right now. So um, this next month, between now and say you know August tenth ish, August fifteenth. We're going to, we're going to find, I guess we're recording this on, on July 21st. So let's say August 21st, we'll give it a full month. Like, I think we'll have some clarity on that. What I want to talk next to you about Jackson is upgrading the roster. Like there is a, there is a big specific name out there. You may, you may know him. He's pretty tall. He grew up in Australia. Um, you followed, you are someone who's followed the Sixers a bunch. So I want to ask you about Ben Simmons. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto because they're the family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they keep their prices reliably low for every type of customer. So whether you are that do-it-yourselfer or a professional mechanic, you can go to rockauto.com and find everything you need, from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil or even new carpet, you name it, you can find it there on rockauto.com. So go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and you'll be able to see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right. We are still chatting here with Jackson Frank, a freelance writer you read all over the internet. For dime at uprocks.com, theanalyst.com, and he's also the host of The House That Hinky Built. Jackson, I alluded to this in the first segment. Let's talk about Ben Simmons. Is let's do it. More than, okay, like, let's, let's just ignore the, like, is it realistic? Because I think that's another conversation. Is a Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons pairing... A, is that are we closer to a championship in like if you've got that group uh, i don't know why i use we as a collective pronoun there i don't work for the blazers uh but yeah are, are the blazers closer with ben simmons as the as the number two
1: uh well i will say technically i mean technically you if being in portland tech maybe that's what you meant or are, are, are you and i both live in portland closer to championship maybe right maybe, maybe yeah maybe we i would
0: attend the, the parade for sure really? that'd be fun yeah, like, I would go. Go. Uh,
1: yeah uh but anyhow yeah I, th- I think they are closer because i you know Obviously, as someone who was who hosts the Sixers podcast, you know I, I've done my due diligence and discussed many a uh, trade trade package involving right. Ben Simmons, and one of which you know involves the Blazers and and CJ McCollum. Uh, I've also done the opposite, the one that involves Jimmy Lillard and, and Ben Simmons. But uh, in, in this case, I think it does because I do like the infrastructure the Blazers provide. I, I read, wrote an article at Dime Up Rocks last month about just some of the just kind of how what I make of the Ben Simmons situation and, and things like that. Um, and I talked a lot about how I think his his limitations are largely tied to himself, um, and, and partly because I think it's tough to build an optimal roster around him. Right. Um, but I think the Blazers, while not necessarily fully optimal, you know, have a pretty good infrastructure in place. They have the the primary ball handler Damian Lillard, ha- who is a great pull up shooter. That's what you need right around Ben, a very good passer as well. Um, if they re sign Norman Powell, which I know Chris Haynes reported is their top priority, you have that kind of that secondary score, can get downhill, attack the rim. Um, while Yusuf Nurkic hasn't proven to be a stretch big to this point yet, you I know he shot, he kind of, I think he's got 33 in the regular season, uh, has dabbled there a little bit since returning from his injury back in the bubble, um, returning in the bubble from his injury. Uh, I think he, you can at least play Nurkic away from the room with his passing, and then maybe he takes right. even more threes if Ben was there. Um, you've got the another floor spacing in Robert Covington, um, which is a pretty good foursome around, him, uh, around Ben Simmons. Uh, you got you've got floor spacing, you've got, a big who can at least move away from the paint and still have some value offensively. Um, you've got obviously you've got Dame, so I think it does make him closer. I think obviously, I would wonder what tor- sort of player you get in the playoffs because that's the biggest question with Ben Simmons. Sure. Right, is, um he was still very good defensively in the second round. Um, it was it was a key reason that defense was was very good. But but offensively, he was a shell of himself. He was largely in the kind of that dunker spot in between the baseline and the three point in the short corner. There um, wasn't very aggressive, you know, attacking the offensive glass. Um, wasn't very consistent sitting screens and rolling to the rim. Um, so in that role, you'd have to play more because you could, know, could
0: you coax him into being a screener? I mean, like everyone wants him to shoot jumpers. I don't give a shit about the jumpers. Uh, could you yeah, coax I, him into rolling to the rim?
1: Yeah. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know at this point because we're now two coaching staffs into, uh, into him. And that, that's, that's my whole thing is people keep saying, Oh, it's the roster. It's this, that it's like, he's had three or four different iterations of the Sixers. he's had two coaching staffs. Now, like at a certain point, like he's, he's got to embrace it, right? Like so, I don't, like, I don't know what that coaching staff looks like. I not to say though two coaching staffs means you can't you can't get the most out of him. Um, like I think you could, but I, it's just so tough because I don't I don't know what sort of feedback Ben Simmons responds best to. I'm not kind of ruling out. He's still just turned 25. Um, you know, he's still young, and you never you, you never know. Maybe, maybe Philadelphia just isn't the place for him, and he needs to find a place where he feels more comfortable and it's not tied to the coaching staff, it's not tied to the roster. He just just doesn't like you know just doesn't like living in Philadelphia or something like that, and that makes him uncomfortable. I don't know, but so I want to say yes because. Because he's again, he's still young enough, and and whatnot. But like, I, I think it just feels so tied to him, and I don't know what I don't know what the proper way to unlock that part of him is. Because it, like, it feels like low hanging fruit. And I totally agree. Like the jumper, yes. It'd be great if he could shoot spot up three and had a mid range game. But like, I, I don't care either. Like it would be. It, it, but it, it's such low hanging fruit. But I don't know if this point is low hanging's the right term because I feel like I've been using that that term for three or four years now as I've covered Ben throughout his career. So the short answer is yes. The long answer is it feels more complicated. And I don't know how to assess that.
0: Right. If if there was a short, if there was an easy answer, that he wouldn't be we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? Yeah. Like he wouldn't be um he wouldn't he wouldn't be the sort of person that you that were like needing to separate from his superstar teammate for them to them to take the next step. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if you just I don't know how you do it. And I think I think there's a sort of aggression is a skill that we don't really have a good way to measure in mm-hmm. NBA circles. But if you could just turn up his aggression just to to take to to look at the rim when he drives towards the basket like ten percent he's a way better basketball player uh some yeah, of that is yeah. free throw shooting some of that is stuff but just like if he could look at the rim more not shoot jump shots not whatever but if he could just per, per, you know want to want to attempt a layup or a dunk more often he would be a way better basketball player
1: yeah absolutely i mean, and that's the thing is you know i see there's always not always i mean i think they're kind of for a while there was kind of this idea that that Giannis and Ben Simmons were very similar players. And and it, and I think it's been disproven at this point because Giannis just keeps coming at you, coming at you, coming yeah. at you. Right. Like, and I, I get the similarities between like they're both guys who are physical and big and move incredibly well for their size, but but Ben doesn't do that. Like, I mean, Giannis just had a 50 point game. He had three, three 40 point games in the playoff or in the finals, Ben Simmons crew high in the playoffs. I think it's like 30 something His crew high for, through four years is 42. Uh, overall, like Giannis basically had that in three games because he just keeps coming at you. And so, yeah, that's the thing. Is I like, I just Ben's such a complicated player to discuss, and he's because yeah, like if because it does seem that simple that yes, just take four more shots a game, or at least get to the rim, take, right. get three more drives per game where you get two feet within seven feet of the rim. Uh, but I don't know, like, how do you go about that as a coaching staff? Because it's like, like I don't think that Brett Banner or Doc Rivers was not telling him to do these things like, totally, and I don't think that even at LSU or Mont Montverde or Hillary trains with in the offseason are not telling him to do these things. And part of it too, is he needs to refine his handle a little more with his left. He has a tendency to like stop drive short because he doesn't trust his, his handle when a guy, you know, helps off from the wing to stunt or, or a dig, things like that. Um, So that would help. But at the same time, like it's not the only thing he He just has times where he, he kind of inexplicably ends drives or, or what or attacks. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I just, I don't know. (laughs) He just, it's just such a complicated topic because I don't know what the answer is, right. It's, it's, it's aggression based or it's it's play style based rather than certain skills, right? Like it's not yep. it's not oh he needs to improve his acceleration or you know his handle, which I guess the handle I did include there, but it's not these certain things. It just feels largely within the play style. I don't know how you tap into that. It's not it's not as easy as just saying, Yeah, put on strength or improve your jumper, or improve your handle. Um, the last of which would have helped, but I don't think that's by all means a cure-all.
0: Yeah, it's I do not know the needle of thread, but I I I would be interested to find out what it looks like in a new location. Even if that is in Portland, I'd love to see Ben just in another uniform to see if it is situational. I mean, for some guys it is you get in a better situation, less pressure, less, whatever it might be. Um, Maybe it'll work out for him. Uh, It would be really funny if he gets traded to the Kings or something. Actually the funniest, the funniest situation for like the whole off season is that either Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons gets traded to the Kings.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think I, I think the when I'm mentioned from a Sixers perspective, I think the the most Sixers outcome here will be revolving around this, this this entire thing because I think the Blazers and Sixers are going to be are going to be on the phone uh, right. at some point or another throughout this next six months. We're, we're out, we're all around someone. The most Sixers outcome will be that they do a Ben Simmons, procedure McCollum type swap, uh, and then Damian Lillard gets traded elsewhere four months later. And they continue to be the bridesmaid of, of the East. That will be the most sixers outcome. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I agree for Ben. I, I want to see him in a different setting. Um, I've made clear I don't. Think that's all of a sudden going to like wipe away all of his. His I don't think it's going to wipe away all of his his flaws. But I do think you know, there's something to be said for just just a new environment. And so like, I don't want to psychoanalyze, him. that's not my job, and it's not something I feel comfortable doing. But uh, I just want to see him somewhere else, you know, uh, in a different place. And at the same time, like I think. He, he would benefit from a lower pressure environment, I think, because from day one, the Sixers, you know, he's been his number one pick. He, he went on, the Sixers have been a playoff caliber team, a 51 team, basically every year. Uh, there's a lot of pressure there, but at the same time, I think he needs the infrastructure to, you know, he needs a primary ball handler or somebody who can drive offense. Uh, and so I just wonder kind of where the optimal place is. But I think Portland is a fantastic landing spot for him if it, if it happens. As I said, as I mentioned, kind of the four players around him, assuming they re Norman Powell, um, is a really good spot for him. And so I, I, for about ba- just as a basketball, you know, Viewer, I would love to see that and kind of see who Ben could be there. Um, because while I think Joel Embiid helps him a lot, it, it does. it is true that Joel likes to kind of operate from 15 feet and in, and Ben likes to operate from six feet and in. That can be kind of discordant offensively, despite them being very, very kind of harmonic on defense. It can be tough offensively. So uh, yeah, I, just, I think that'd be a very good fit for Ben. Uh, it would help the Blazers because I think you just got to do something differently. I think both sides, both Sixers and the Blazers, need to do something differently. To you know, there's no rumblings about Joel Embiid, of course, but um, you know, maybe a fourth straight or fifth straight se round exit changes things. Just as there was not really any rumblings about Dame before another first round exit. So, 100, yeah. We didn't report anything, but uh, I think just for both sides, it would be interesting that maybe the co-star or the secondary star for both teams, you know, maybe just needs to have a fresh place and they need to try something different to maximize their superstar who currently is in place.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, I, th- I kind of think Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard are kind of in some ways like the bellwether for this offseason. like where, where those two gentlemen end up, if Dame stays put, if he gets swapped for Ben, if Ben gets swapped to be his teammate, like it's these, these, these could be the biggest dominoes for sort of what the rest of the league does. Um, assuming that the top tier free agent Kawhi Leonard doesn't move teams, but if he does, who oh boy, we will have, uh, we'll have a fun off season. Uh, Jackson, we just watched the NBA Finals. Uh, In the third segment, I want to ask you sort of what we learned about what it takes to be a, a finals team in a year that we didn't watch Steph Curry or LeBron James play in the final game of the season. But first, let's talk about bet online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And I'm talking all your sports action, whether you want to bet on every event at the Olympic games coming up here over the next month, or do you want to bet on the big movers in free agency, which team is going to swing a big trade or which free agent will land where you can bet on Kawhi Leonard's next team. If you feel so inclined or anything else in the sports world, you'll find the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs at betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website. And when you're making your first deposit, put in the promo code LOCKED ON. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first, point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. And we're still here chatting with Jackson Frank. We talked about what the Blazers do next. Uh, we talked about the potential fit of Ben Simmons on the roster and just sort of the the troubles with a Ben Simmons. What is a Ben Simmons exactly? But now Jackson, I want to ask you about the NBA Finals. What did we learn from the six games between the Bucks and the Suns? It's so
1: tough because like, I'm I'm never going to be someone. This is not what I'm saying that like I'm never going to be an asterisk type guy. I think that is really silly because circumstances or injuries or luck always affect every every part of it of an like of a season. Right. Or a title. Um, but it's so tough to know what exactly to lean from this because the fact of the matter is I think injuries played a bigger role in this season than any other season. Sure. Even the Bucks. I mean, even the Bucs were missing a starter. So uh like you know, in the in the the Suns had things with Chris Paul in the first round, and then even later with the torn ligament in his hand and whatnot. So but for me, I think I just continue to harp on the idea that if you're a team trying to build a winner, you should never just look at the a certain winner and say, Okay, that's what we gotta do, because I mean, the Bucks. The Bucks played huge. They're a ginormous starting lineup, uh, and we're coming off. You mentioned Steph Curry and the Warriors. The Warriors were a team that played – they were mobile, and they they were super switchable and all these things. And while well, the Bucks switched a lot, and they had a lot of success in that way, they had minutes, I think, in game six where they were playing Bobby Portis, Prick Lopez, Giannis, Chris Middleton. That's four dudes above 6'8". Um, and so my biggest takeaway still is the fact that, like, you just – you play this. You cater to the style of your best players, exactly. and that's how you win a title. Like you, you, of course, you want to you acquire the guys that compliment them best, but like you don't go all in on the small ball, you know, idea. Or you, think, you play what suits your roster best. That's what I've learned because I think that's my biggest takeaway. Because I don't, I don't want to have any sweeping proclamations from a season that was so strange and so marred by injury. Uh, and that's not to say the Bucks aren't like some outline for or blueprint for you know a contender um, because they dealt with their own injuries, but. Uh, that's my that's my biggest thing. That's one that I continue to harp on is that you can you win, you win with the style that, that suits your, your stars best and that's kind of what the Bucks did and it ended up working out because uh Giannis I mean just put in an incredible, incredible six game showing I mean one I mean I'm not some historic historian when it comes to the finals, but I mean it's gotta be up there for NBA's finals APU and his game six has to be up there among one of the best individual games in the finals yeah i mean just
0: like in my sort of brief lifetime um i'm a little older than you are but it's not like uh in in my uh i I mean lebron james in 20 in in 2016 that comes to mind uh in some ways kevin kevin durant 2018 but it's like a little bit different of a calculation there but like since since then like Maybe Tim Duncan against against the Nets when he was just really really dominant, but it's like a little bit. It's it's not quite the same thing. And then like Jordan, you know, like there's just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it, maybe one of the Shack runs as well. But like they're just, it's the people that Giannis cool. joined a group. He was already an elite company. He joined a group of like, you know, the five of the greatest players of all time have really sort of been on that type of type of dominant run. It was um, it was a joy. It was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think even just individual games, you could talk about the LeBron game one in 2018 when they lost in overtime. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, like I never want to just like make everything about contextualizing. I just want to. I mostly just want to enjoy Giannis's greatness on its own. But, but yeah, that's the point. point being is like I just that's my ta- again that's my takeaway, and I don't want to read too much into it. And then even with the Suns, a team that made it very far, is that if again if you have you, they built around Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and for the most part, what worked is they had those guys. Of stirring the drink offensively and letting everyone else play off of that. And for three and a half rounds, you know, I like got them, you know, within two wins of a title. So, right. um, and that's, you know, the other thing too, and I think that, that, you know, for for all the struggles at times that Coach Budin had with his rotation and lineups, when it came down to it, he, like, he trusted his dudes to play big minutes. And that's, and that's something you need to do. Like, you need to do it. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, that's just a blueprint. Like, you play your best guys. That's, yeah. Go with what, what you got. Like, you you play them forty four rather than thirty nine or forty because those that's you've seen it with with LeBron in that twenty eighteen game when he was what they're like minus twelve or whatever in the two minutes he missed yeah exactly it relates to the Sixers every time the Joel Embiid sits they they bleed points like those little fractions and margins matter a ton and so uh, that's the takeaways are just play your dudes as much as you can play them uh, you know and and trust you know and build, an, build a build a style don't don't build your style around previous winners build what works best for the best players you have that you will trust to to lead you to that to that end goal
0: yeah i i think in some ways it is a lesson for uh your good pal daryl morey who built he was so warriors obsessed that maybe he built a team that was too warriors specific um they were really good i'm not saying the rocket like they were the second best team in the league for two two straight seasons or right up there at worth the third best team in the league uh but they were so Warriors specific like they were built to beat one specific juggernaut um, and I think maybe that that didn't give them some like unique advantages that maybe they could have had if they were just like, what does James Harden do best? And what is what is a James Harden, Chris Paul group do best type of thing? Although they were darn close to maximizing it. So I don't want to be too. I don't want to. Yeah, be I,
1: too- I guess I, I guess in that sense, you the way the, the times I would kind of, you know, say that he was in that mold was before they acquired Chris Paul. And then kind of when they went with the Robert Covington you know, small ball. Five right. there, Right. And Russell Westbrook was just a much less adept a creator than Chris Paul was for at least Chris Paul's first year obviously in second year dealt with some hamstring injuries and then all of a sudden he's out the door so but yeah I think you know Daryl at times maybe got that way but I think when the Rockets are at their best clearly they have their own style with Capella and the switching and, yeah. and the two ball handlers and whatnot. but yeah just in general that's you know you can really you know, like I mean the Clippers the Clippers this is not the reason the Clippers didn't make it but at times they struggled because they went into this huge small ball and and whatnot. Obviously, they, they might have, I mean, we might be talking about the Clippers as champions if, if Kawhi doesn't go down. But Totally. Um, but yeah, I think you just, you see sometimes teams go into that small ball idea too much. And I, I don't want to criticize the Clippers because their small ball was very good. It was yeah. incredible offensively. But generally speaking, you see teams go into the small ball uh, and forget the fact that Draymond still, and, and especially at his peak, is an incredible rim protector. The reason it worked because he was one of the best pick and roll defenders in the, the game has ever seen and just an incredible rim protector despite being six foot six. So you can't go small if you have no one to defend the rim you saw that sometimes that with the suns not the suns didn't have an option but you saw it, you look that with the suns when they played tory craig or g Crowder at the five uh, you need a true rim protector in there and so that's not to chris has the suns because Dara shards was out and frank kaminsky wasn't great at first in the playoffs but uh, point being is small ball is not the only way to win it yeah
0: i mean you know, the the kidding. bucks played the 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 much maligned drop coverage in the in the finals right like the defense that people think you can't play in the playoffs because you have to switch everything they said Wait, let's just play, like, let's play our, like, not exclusively, they showed a couple different looks, but, like, they played drop with a traditional big man in closeout games.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, and that's the other thing, I think, you can't even touch off of that, is what you really need for, I mean, regardless how you build your team, is... Flexibility, and that's what made the Bucks so yep. good because yep. they could play, they could play drop with Brooke Lopez at the five for the 25 minutes he got, and then they close with Gonz at the five and they go switch or they, they kind of you know they hedge or they things like that, um, right? And show I me, mean, they, cover just, they just so many different things. I like, you know that times they would play drop, but they would crowd the wings, overload the wings. so Chris Paul couldn't get to the elbows, or in the previous round, Trae Young couldn't get to the floater area. Uh, they would switch, you know, and, and give Trae Young fits, they'd give switch and give Chris Paul fits. Like, you just need flexibility on both sides of the ball. I think you saw that a lot more with the Bucs as the series went on than the suns. and so that's I mean the suns you know had a great year I'm not saying like you can't you can't win the style the suns played, but there was just more avenues for the Bucks to do what they want on both ends as the series wore on compared to the suns. and that's the biggest thing It's just just having counters to you know don't only have one single you know a way to win the game on both ends.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the best teams are like versatility on both ends seems to be the thing that has separated all of the most recent champions. Like even the 2019 Raptors had had a bunch of different looks they could give you. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously the, the Lakers have this weird thing where they just play one way all season long and then they shift into the best version of themselves. Um, when Anthony Davis slides up a spot, like being able to give teams different looks is just remains the sort of most valuable thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And you know, the, that was the thing with the Lakers is obviously they've they had those gigantic lineups at times and then they go to the five and they just start switching everything with, with right. Anthony Davis who's maybe, you know, arguably the best switch big in the NBA. Uh, and then you have LeBron just doing his thing as a, as a freelancer off the ball. Uh, it got really overwhelming. And that's so just just having different looks. And obviously it helps when you have guys like 80 and LeBron going on incredible scoring rampages like they did last year. Um, But yeah, you just you just if someone takes away your fastball you got to have something else there and you can't, I mean, that's the thing is I you know, cover the Sixers, the Sixers didn't really have a secondary level. Right. Right. Uh, they just threw on, another fastball. Yeah. On offensively, defensively again, they were great, but, but offensively they just were so limited, you know, uh, with things. And so, yeah, that's versatility is the name of the game. I think when it comes to, to trying to win a title, not, not one certain, you don't want to, you just go with what works best. And then you know, find counters and branches off of that rather than trying to see what one winner did. And you can take bits and pieces, but you don't want to just eat me because every team is
0: different. I mean, so much of the playoffs are matchup based. Absolutely. Jackson, if people are looking for more of your stuff, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So you can, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. And if you don't want to follow me, you can just check my bio and look at all the places I have bylines in there. Every place I'm doing NBA content is listed there, um, including uh, Liberty Ballers, uh, which the the account is currently hacked. So we're looking to address that. Um, <laughs> but uh, every place that I do NBA coverage uh, is is in that bio there again that's at jack frank underscore jf and you can subscribe to my podcast or listen to my podcast wherever you get podcasts again that's the house I think you built uh it's part of the blue wire podcast network
0: hey listen you were you were complimenting my plugs at the beginning of this episode you you closed this bad boy down with just a just a fantastic self promotion that was an elite that is a man who freelances for his dinner
1: <laughs> that's right exactly i should just get a script at this point and pull it up whenever i'm doing oh you
0: don't need it you could go off the cuff that's what the real skill is you know this is a guy you're playing jazz out here i love it
1: <laughs> exactly
0: Dear listeners, like I said, follow Jackson's work. Uh, he's he's as as smart as they come. He'll make you smarter about basketball. I I really, really recommend reading what he writes so you can enjoy the game on a higher level. Uh, whenever I read his stuff like I did today at TheAnalyst.com, I, I got smarter for it. So check him out at Jack Frank underscore JJF on Twitter. Also do me a favor, tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers will be there waiting for you. As long as I'm promoting podcasts, make sure you check out The Ultimate Mock Draft. It's uh it is our full coverage of of a, the first round of the NBA draft. It is Network-wide, uh, you'll see Chad Ford on there. You'll see former Suns general manager Ryan McDonough on there. Brian Scalabrini joins the crew, plus all of the local uh, locked-on hosts. It's, it's a ton of fun. that We're making selections for every team in the first round, trades. It's a great prep to get you ready for next week's NBA draft. So just search Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It's available on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, go check it out. Thanks for listening, y'all. Talk to you soon.